word of the Lord. Sister Jacqueline, I know it's not in my scriptures, but can you find a scripture and put it up for me? I believe it's Judges chapter 6, verse 13. We're not going not gonna to preach from there, but I'm, I'm going to preface that. We will go to the book of Luke to, to minister. But I'm, I'm supremely confident that the Lord is changing us. He that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We, when I say this, it, I'm not talking about a chronological thing of a set time. So, but we don't have time to be anything but the church. We don't have time to be anything but the church. Or we don't have time to be anything that prevents us from being the church. I have to work. Please work. Unemployment's down, so people must be listening to that. They're working. We don't have time to be, we don't have time for anything that derails us. And uh, God's doing a work. God's doing a work in this local body as he's doing a, doing a work in the total body of Christ, preparing us for only he knows is ahead. And I want to read a scripture. Uh, I want to preface by saying that uh, what I preach today won't do you any good if you don't couple it with what happens over the next couple of weeks that I feel the Lord has laid in my spirit. We got to stop cherry picking. Amen. We got to stop cherry picking what lesson I'm going to listen to and which one I'm not going to listen to. And if it's being preached from this pulpit, if it's coming from your pastor, if he's endorsing it, uh, we need to tune into it. And we can ignore that at our own peril. And I'll guarantee you, not very many people, not very many in this building missed, missed the Michigan game last Saturday. I wonder how much of the preaching and the teaching of the pastor we've missed. We don't have time to go around these things and do this stuff. That oh, yeah, I'm wrinkling some feathers here, but that's that's all right. That's that's not elevating me. You're missing the point. It's the word of God that's being ministered to us. And so I believe I, I feel very supremely that the Lord is giving me direction for this church, for this local body. I want to read a scripture, and if you, if you have that, Sister Jacqueline. And Gideon said unto him, and this is to the Lord, O my Lord, if Yahovah, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where are the miracles which our fathers Told about, told of us, saying, "Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites." He said, "Lord, if you're with us, then what's going on? Lord, if you're with us, then where are the miracles?" 
you've been asking that question, show up next week. The Lord's going to give us an answer. God knows what he's doing, and his ways are higher than ours, and his law is perfect. His ways, well, how he lays it out is perfect. Today, the word of the Lord, Luke chapter 4. A preacher once said, if you need a 20-minute message from me, or a 30-minute message from me, I need two weeks to prepare it. If you, need, if you want me to preach for 30 minutes, I need two weeks to prepare the message. If you want two-hour message, I'm ready right now. I've been a little more than two weeks putting this one together. I don't know if that means it's under 30, but it's not going to be two hours. See, when you're just going to ramble on, you can, you, you know, you know, eventually you'll get to the important stuff. But when you got a time limit on you, you're going to weed out all this, all the, all the, all the fluff, and you're going to get to the what needs to be said. That's what that means. Luke 4, 16, 17, 18, and 19. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, as was his custom. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And there was delivered on in the book of Isaiah, the prophet, when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Verse 12 of John 14 says this, Verily I say unto you, He that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. I want to minister today on this simple, my subject is go or no go for launch. Go or no-go for launch. Thank you for your time. Please be seated. Thank you for being here. Joshua Haldeman grew up on the prairies of Saskatchewan. His first job was breaking wild broncos. And with all that acquired skill set, he would go to organize one of Canada's first rodeos. When the domino effect of the Great Depression hit Canada... Haldeman lost his 5,000-acre farm. That's a pretty big farm. And had to start from scratch. He tried his hand at chiropractic medicine and even politics. Then Haldeman discovered his passion, flying airplanes. In 1950, Haldeman uprooted his family and moved halfway around the world to South Africa, a place he had never even been to before. With the help of his wife, Winifred, and their children, he disabled his 1948 single-engine plane, the airplane was packed into, the, into crates and shipped to South Africa, and it was reassembled by the family once it arrived there. A few years later, he and Winifred embarked on a 30,000-mile round-trip flight from Africa to Australia and back. They are believed to be the only private pilots to ever have made that flight in a single-engine airplane. As a comparison point, Charles Lindbergh's legendary transatlantic flight in 1927 was only 3,600 miles. Now, very few people in here, as well as I was before I read this uh, earlier this week, have probably ever heard of Joshua and Winifred Haldeman. But I would dare say that everybody in this building has heard of their grandson, Elon Musk. 
Musk's entrepreneurial exploits are well documented. He turned the automotive and the aerospace industries upside down. At SpaceX headquarters, there are two giant posters of Mars. One shows a cold, barren planet, and the other looks a lot like Earth. The second poster represents Musk's life purpose, colonizing Mars. How does somebody even conceptualize colonizing a planet? Who dreams that kind of dream? Who makes that their kind of life's work? Well, there's a theory. Because throughout his childhood, Elon heard the many stories about his grandfather's exploits. And he sat through countless slideshows that documented his travels. And those stories, according to the autobiography, those stories were the seedbed of Musk's imagination. Those stories were the shoulders upon which he stood to dream his dreams. I stand here today, I believe, under the unction of the Holy Ghost to tell us straight out and frankly that Jesus did not do what he did to change and impact only those of his day. By his own, excuse me, his works, by his own admission, are the seedbed of our imagination. His works, by his own admission from the words that we read today, are the shoulders upon which we stand to believe that with God all things are possible. I want to go any further. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. He that comes to him must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. This thing is not by works, it's by faith. It's not by works, it's by faith. We don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. We have troubles today because we're walking by sight. We have anxieties today because we're walking by sight. We've got troubles today because we're walking by sight. The Lord is calling to us today from the deep of the Spirit, asking us, beckoning us, as politely as He can, inferring to us, we must not walk by sight, we must walk by faith. The 30,000 mile airplane trip, something that nobody had ever done, is the thing that jump-started a man thinking and dreaming that he's going to colonize the planet of Mars. Right, wrong, or indifferent, or ill-placed dream is not the point. Batterson, Mark Batterson, in his book, Win the Day, asks a question, a psychologist asks the question, health officials ask the question, who gave us the answer? Do you know what the best predictor of a child's emotional well-being is? It's not hugs and kisses, though they help. It isn't the best schools, though they may help. It isn't the best birthday parties. And hasn't that become, I, I don't want to stay here and grind too much of an axe, but I don't, want to, I don't want to go to meddling, but my goodness, that's become an issue to now. Now we're competing with birthday parties for children who won't even remember. I just threw that out there. I know it didn't go very far. It's just, it's, it, it fell right there. All right. Oh, can I just might say, it's not for the child, it's for you. 
See, we're not honest with ourselves, and we just say we're just going to dismiss that. But that stuff eventually leaks into the spiritual. It eventually leaks in. When we're dishonest, before long, it gets into things that really matter. Come on, somebody. Pastors, oh, he's off. Now the word of the Lord. It's really a word from God. No, but I think I know him. The great predictor, the best predictor of a child's emotional well-being is whether or not that child knows their family history. It's the same spiritually. Everybody under the sound of my voice that's been, the bow of my voice been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You've walked out of darkness into his marvelous light. You're now rise and walk in a new life and a new man. You've been, you've been born again of water and spirit. We're born into a family of God. We have been grafted into a story, oh my God, that he's been writing since very day one. When I started into this, I would, it, was, it was not just there. I go all the way back to the first day when he started writing this story. We have a family history. And that script is called Scripture. It contains our family history. It's how we discover who the Heavenly Father is. It's how we discover who we are as His children. Religion has painted a false picture of who we are. It's painted a false promise of what you'll have in religion and what you can have if you get a good church. Listen, this thing's got to be done God's way. This thing's got to be done only His way. If you want to see His glory, we've got to do it His way. And might I say, all around religion today, there's a lot of glory being shown in local assemblies. Oh, they're big. Oh, they're pompous. Oh, they got the best music. I'm not interested. I'll take it. That's fine. But not at the expense of the glory of the real deal. And I'm here to tell you that if you believe Jesus was the real deal, he's telling us, what I did, you can do. If what I did, my works ought to be the seedbed, the launching point for your belief. Amen. But see, we get our belief sometimes in ourselves, our circumstances and certain things that are going on, and sometimes our belief is misguided. And we ask the question of Gideon, well, if you're with us, Lord, then where's the miracles? See, we think like we think, and we try to process it how we process it. I'm here to tell you that the Spirit is going to speak to us, and He's going to help us. Amen. If we want it, if we want it, if we'll listen, if we'll crucify ourselves, if we'll be willing to let go of that pride, God will reveal Himself in a great way. That's how we discover that we're His children. According to some estimates, as much as 80% of our thoughts... I'm going to get right into some nitty-gritty here in the beginning. According to some estimates, as much as 80% of our thoughts each day are negative. If the battle is won or lost in the mind, which it is, then it would appear that it's a losing battle before it even begins. Henry Ford was quoted as saying this, whether you believe you can do a thing or not, you're right. Everything is created twice. The first creation is always internal. Or maybe more specifically, internal dialogue. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. 
God said, let us make man in our image. There was an internal dialogue. Everything is created twice. It is first conceived in the mind of God. And we're created in the image and after his likeness. And let me, hear me today. Everything is created twice. It's first created in your mind. It's created in our minds and or internal dialogue. In other words, the stories that you tell yourself eventually becomes the situation where you find yourself. Life and death are in the power of the tongue and he that, he that loves it will eat the fruit thereof. You get what you speak and out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks because it's out of the mouth that we speak the internal dialogue which we have come to believe that's why Jesus said I only do what I see him do and I know my word is just because I only say what I hear him say everything is created twice first creation is in our mind it's in our dialogue and what we tell ourselves eventually is what we become. When we train our natural body, science tells us that we have to stretch it beyond its ability to maintain homeostasis. Homeostasis is just a fancy word of status quo. If you want to build your body, then you've got to push it past the ability to maintain its status quo. You lift another round. You do a little more weight. You run a little farther. You run a little stronger. You run a little, you run, you, you, you put that incline up, you know, way up there. You, you bring it down. You lift a few more. You go back for a couple more reps, and you push your body past status quo. Experts tell us anything less than 70% effort in the physical actually just maintains the status quo. I'm here to tell you in the Holy Ghost, like for the body, maintenance is easier than the battle to build. Maintenance is easier than, than the battle that there is to build and to strengthen. And as it is in the mind, it's easier, I know, to let negative run rampant through your mind than it is to battle and retrain our thinking. But that is exactly what Jesus said we had to do. You have to battle the negative. It's easier to let it run rampant than it is to arrest it and battle it. But Jesus said that's exactly what you have to do. It is, not, it, is not, it is not something that is a suggestion. And Jesus had to battle it. Jesus was doing these miracles. They calling him a devil. And then somebody had the audacity to say, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You don't think he was in all points tried like we, yet without sin. You know what that meant? That he had to battle the negative of the mind. He had to battle that it's not gonna happen. When those disciples in John 6 left him, they had to come into his mind. They don't want this. They're not gonna serve you. And then he looked to the others and said, will you go also? And then such blessed rings into his ear. Where are we gonna go? You got the words of eternal life. I know that some come and go, but I am here to tell you, we've gotta do this thing God's way and there may be some who will leave and some who will go but I hear the words of the Lord and those who said we want the word of eternal life I know it's easier hallelujah some of the most successful people in the world 
have overcome the biggest giants. I find it fascinating that no one, that no fewer, as it said in, in history, that no fewer than 15 British prime ministers were orphaned before they were 16. By his own admission, Elon Musk had a difficult childhood. He was bullied during high school, spending time in the hospital after getting pushed downstairs and beaten until he blacked out. He described his childhood as non-stop horrible. Everything we experience is a two-sided coin. It can make us or it can break us. And I stand here by the help of the Lord and tell us we determine what it is. Here's a man not full of the Holy Ghost who had a childhood call that was absolutely, uh, let me quote, nonstop horrible. Become, at one point, I know he lost a little bit last year, so he's no longer, but he was the richest man in all of the world. Not full of the Holy Ghost, not doing it by Holy Ghost. You know what he's doing it by? He's doing it right up here. He's winning the battle here, and then it's created in the natural. It's a lot easier to let it run rampant. It's a lot easier to just dwell on the negative. It's a lot easier to just maintain homeostasis. Now, we might think this to be trivial, but this is my, I'm going to get to this point. We may think this to be trivial or non-essential, but there's consequences to status quo. Alex, uh, Alex de Tocqueville stated of America that she is in soft despotism. And that is described as a society in which individuals decline to engage in acts of self-government in exchange for a national government that meets their material needs. We live in a world that is giving freedoms away and willing to give freedoms away that our Constitution declares we can have so that I can have a government that can supply my material needs so I don't have to fight for it. Work for it. Even though it's declared that you can have it. That's where America finds itself. And you know why? Because we've got a generation that's rising up that does not know what it is to fight for what we have. Because the spirit of Antichrist is in the natural trying to get people to believe in a government to give them everything that they need. And we'll give up our safety for, we'll give up our rights for safety. We'll give up our rights for the planet. Come on, somebody. And guess where that ends? You have a government to give you everything you need. You've got a government powerful enough to take everything that you have. Now hear me. And that's where it leads. It leads to dictatorship. It ultimately leads to what the Bible said it's going to lead to. One man sitting on a throne who's going to try to rule the world and give everybody what they need as long as they fall into line. All of a sudden, not fighting doesn't look too good, but by then it'll be too late. Oh, it's easier not to fight. But no doubt, I'm here to tell you, we see a parallel with religion. In religion, there, and I'm going to stop doing it, religion. You know the problem with, you know the problem in the church or the problem with call it religion, whatever it is? It's not the grassroots, it's the people at the top. 
I'm going to put myself on the chopping block. You know the issue with our church? It starts with me. It doesn't start with the, it doesn't start with the grassroots. Quit blaming deacons and quit blaming other people for, for, for where we are. It's got to start at the top. I rise to tell every person, and, and, and we, we've done some changes. I rise to tell every person that calls yourself a preacher. There is more than toting a Bible that's covered in shoe leather. There's more than toting a Bible. There's more than saying, I'm a called a preacher. If you want a license, I'll print you one up. We, we, we've done that plenty of times. You want one? I'll print one up for you. That don't make you a preacher. I'm here to tell us, I'm here to tell us this thing. We have to fight for this thing. We can't just say, here I am. Here I am. And as leaders, we must set the bar. As leaders, we must blaze the trail. As leaders, we must be the first one to step out. We must be the first one to step out in faith. We must be the first one to have boldness to speak the truth in love. We must be the first one to stand with all boldness and having on the whole armor of God. Bless God. We see a parallel in religion. We see a parallel in the church of a decline in self-disciplines, a decline in self-growth, surrendering personal testimonies of Jesus Christ in your life in exchange for a church that can meet your spiritual need. Give me a church that'll sing it up. Give me a preacher that'll preach it up. Give me a Sunday school teacher that'll teach it up. And I'll forego what I could have with Jesus Christ as long as I can feel better on Sunday. I am here to tell you that is not the design of the kingdom. I'll do you one better. I'll do you one better. <laughs> Let me. It's kind of better said this way. There are people who walk with God and then there are people who walk with people who walk with God who are reaping the benefits of the Spirit flowing from one individual instead of a direct connection for yourself. Why? Because it's easier. It's easier for you to let somebody else fight it. Somebody else pray it up and you just get under the spout where the glory is coming out and you get it off somebody else. It's easier to do this. But I am telling you, it has the same ending as the natural because there's a false prophet that's gonna rise up and he's gonna take the religious and he's gonna deceive them because they do not love the truth. Oh, please hear me. You want to maintain your status quo in religion? It's going to it's at the potential to end the same way because you don't know it for yourself and you only take what the person in the pulpit says. You will sell it. You will you will give away your oh, you will give away the power of intercessory prayer. If you can just have Oh, sister Hoover. If we could just have you pray a little harder. I don't mind coming in the area where somebody's touching God. I sometimes will do that. But I hear a call from the Lord going, what's wrong with you? We'll give up our personal testimonies because it's hard to fight for the things of God. We don't want the long hours of prayer. Bless God, we don't want fasting. We don't want holiness. We don't want to fight the fight that it takes. 
Oh, hear me right now. America will go because it's walked away from its heritage. We've lived in inheritance for many, many years because of those who their heritage was, the word of God and God governing a nation. America is no longer what it was because America is not what it's supposed to be. Hear me, if we're not careful, we will go the same way. We will give up freedoms that the word of God said we can have. We can have liberty over lust. Oh, my Lord, and we can have power over unclean spirits. Oh, my God, we can have deliverance. We can have joy and peace. And we'll give it up if we can get a church that can sing the glory down or a pastor that can preach it down. I'm here to tell you there is a danger of being comfortable with status quo. And just like the natural body, anything less than 70% effort, it just maintains the status quo. I'm here to tell you in the Holy Ghost, going through the motions of what we've been going through for a while, all you're doing is maintain. You've got to push beyond in the spirit. Somebody's got to get beyond their small prayer. Somebody's got to get beyond the veil. hope this is all right. You maintain status quo, you're never going to grow. And then you're going to, oh, that, was, that would have been a bad word. Not a bad word, but a word that just wouldn't work. You're going to sell yourself to the best church. We don't want that constitution that says, you want to have that freedom, this is what needs to happen. We don't want that pastor to say, you want that freedom in the Lord, it's going to take this. Oh, my, my, my. My, my, my. Here we go. Verbal Bean said in his book on prayer, he talked of a personal invitation. I got to hasten. He talked to a personal invitation to enter the cockpit of a commercial airplane and experience flight from a pilot's perspective. He went up there in the cockpit. That must have been cool. They don't do that now. He went up in the cockpit. They invited him to come up. They just chose him. Say, hey, would you like to see a flight from up here? He's yeah. He got up there and they got in and they closed the door. He's standing there with the pilots looking around. And as they get, they get up there and they're doing this thing, it said, the Holy Ghost spoke to me. And this is what the Holy Ghost said. He said, most of my people are content with just seeing what little bit passes their window. But if you'll get with me, if you'll come out from among the stuff, he said, you'll see things you never saw before. You'll see to the right, to the left, you'll see in front of you. <laughs> you know, in dog sledding, it's only the lead dogs that get a scenery change. You know what the rest of them get to look at? I'm not saying that we break ranks. I'm not saying that we don't need leaders or that we don't work as a team. But the Holy Ghost is saying there's more in the spiritual than what we're seeing out our little windows. There's more than what we're seeing from the brother or the sister that's in front of us. And there's more than our infinite, or excuse me, more than our finite minds are believing for. Can somebody raise your hands and join with me? I hear a personal invite. 
I'm hearing a personal invite from the master saying, come up into the cockpit. I want to show you how I fly this thing. Let's just wait right here for a moment. Let's just respond just for a moment. There's no need to rush past this moment of visitation right here. I feel an invite. Come up. Come out. The Lord's been telling some of us for a while, you got to come up out of there and I'll show you how I fly this thing. Oh, but you want to take, if you, I hear in the Holy Ghost, if you're satisfied with what comes out your little window, you don't know where that pilot is taking you. All you're doing is trusting him. But if you're in the cockpit, you know exactly where he's going. You know exactly what's it. You know if there's a desert out there. You know if there's a mountain out there. You know if there's turbulence out there. Right. Hallelujah. Somebody yell, blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, I got to get moving. It's not convenient. Maybe this will be two hours. We'll have an intermission in between. Take up an offering. That'll help us. Oh, but pastor, it's not convenient. Let me tell you something. This is a spirit that's in the church that I am coming after with all guns a-blazing. It is a spirit that is rotting the core of the church. It's not convenient for me. Let me remind us that when the cloud moved, they moved. God didn't consult their opinion first. God, it didn't matter if they just got the kids into bed. It didn't matter if they just got off work. It didn't matter if they just got the tent up. None of that stuff mattered. When God moved, they moved. I'm going to say something. We cannot pray for revival. We cannot pray for lost coins, lost sheep, prodigals to return home. We cannot pray for the miraculous and at the same time be unwilling to put our comforts at risk. Right. Or be unwilling to venture outside of our self-protective shell within the walls of our own complacency. Why would we remain there? Why would we remain there? Why would we stay within the walls of our own self-complacency? Simply because we're not trusting God. We have anxieties which weigh us down that are the Lord's work only. We're thinking about the things that will happen if we do. We're thinking about how people will respond. We're thinking about how people will grow. I preach this gospel and preach in this church and preach principles of leadership and preach principles of thing and faithfulness and so on that we still have leaders that are not fulfilling those things. And when I say leaders, that's just people of influence. Okay? Just people of influence. And we're changing that this year because we're going into the cockpit and the Lord's declared how this thing's supposed to be done and we can't do it any other way or we might as well sell bingo tickets. And we got anxieties and things that we're thinking about. And we're thinking about, if I, if I sat there and thought about how they're going to respond and how they're going to grow and how it's going to take root in their life, I can't control that. I plant, I water, but the increase belongs to God. Uh -huh. You see, a lot of times we won't step out in faith and do more for God because we're afraid of the results that don't depend on us. The results depend upon God. you got to let God do the things that are God's. Otherwise, if you're weighing those things in your mind, you're going to collapse under the load. 
My yoke is easy. My burden's light. I didn't say there wouldn't be labor because oh, we do labor. We do labor in this, and we do have stresses, and we do have anxieties. But the Lord told us how to handle those, and it's in the mind. i got to finish. If I had one request in this life, it would be to go up in space. If NASA called me today right now and said, head to Cape Canaveral, we're sending you up at 8 a.m., I'd say, somebody lead us in prayer. I would go to see with these eyes from that, from that view. I know we get to see it in glorified, but I want to see it. I want to see it with this finite mind before the Lord blows it. I would go. I'd do it in a heartbeat. When you're launching a rocket, there's called something called a launch status check. It's known as a go, no go pole. Several other terms are occurring at the beginning of a space flight. Flight controllers monitor various systems, operations, readiness, and status before a launch can proceed. The NASA director is responsible for the safety of the personnel, the flight crew, and there's about 10 go-no-go go, no go reports that he reports to the launch director who then has another five or so of his own go-no-go go for launch. And then the launch director declares if a mission is go for a launch. But in the countdown, there are holds they're built into the countdown to allow the, to allow the launch team to target precise launch window and to provide a cushion of time for certain tasks and procedures without impacting the overall schedule. The space shuttle countdown has built-in holds that vary in length. They occur at T minus 27 hours, T minus 19 hours, T minus 11, T minus 6, T minus 3 hours, T minus 20 minutes, and T minus 9 minutes. T minus 43 hours and counting, the, sh the shuttle test directs, a director performs a traditional call to their stations, and the countdown clock is activated. T minus 27 hours and holding, it's the first built-in hold, typically lasts four hours. Then you have 19 minus 19 hours and holding. This built-in this, this, this built hold typically lasts four hours, but it can be extended if required. You have to take the orbiter's mid-body umbilical unit. You've got to take the eternal tank nose cone purged off and purge it. T minus 19 hours and counting. You begin the final preparations for the orbiter's three main engines. The main propellant tank and the flight. Fill the launch pad. Sound suppression system water tank. Resume the orbiter. Ground support. None of you need to understand what I'm talking about here because nobody's going to work for NASA tomorrow. And they didn't call me today, so I'm good for today. T minus 11 hours in holding. A built-in hold varies between 13 and 14 hours. Weather and engineering briefings happening. Pad debris is inspected and closed out. Flight crew equipment and anybody that they, anything that's got to be stowed late uh, into, the, into the capsule. T minus 11 hours in counting. Activate the orbiter's fuel cells. Clear the blast area of any non-essential personnel. That's a good thing. Uh, switch the orbiter's purge air to gaseous nit nitrogen. Sounds really uh, sophisticated. T minus six hours in holding. This built-in hold typically lasts two hours or one hour if you're going to scrub the launch for a 24 or 48-hour window. Mission management team and launch director uh, receive another weather update. Launch team verifies there's no violations of the launch uh, and before they commit the criteria of loading the external tank with propellants, they clear the pad of all personnel. Chill down happens. They begin loading the external tank with 500,000 gallons of cryogenic propellants. That must be cheap stuff. 
Six, T minus six hours and counting. They fill, they finish filling the external tank and the flight load. Liquid oxygen and liquid oxygen propellants. My goodness, who in the world scientifically made all this stuff up? T minus three hours and holding. This built-in hold typically lasts two and a half hours. They align the tracking antennas. Final inspections of team proceeds to the launch pad. They conduct a detailed analysis of the vehicle. Closeout crew proceeds to the launch pad to configure the crew module for countdown. There's televised weather briefings. There's flight crew weather briefings. Astronaut support personnel enters the crew module and begins the comm checks. T-minus three hours and counting. Crews uh, depart for the launch pad. They complete closeout preparations in the white room. They check the cockpit, the cockpit switch configurations. Astronauts prepare and perform air-to-ground voice checks. Kennedy Space Center, over. Mission Center, Johnson Space Center, over. You hear us? Yeah, loud and clear, so on and so forth. They complete the white room closeout. T-minus 20 minutes now in holding. This built-in hold typically lasts 10 minutes. The NASA director conducts final launch team briefings. T-minus 20 minutes and counting. The orbiter's onboard computers are, are switched to launch configuration. They start the fuel cell thermal conditioning. They close the orbiter valves. The transition backup flight system is put to launch configuration, T-minus uh, nine minutes in holding. This final built-in hold varies in length depending on the mission. The final launch window is determined. They activate flight recorders. We get some final go, no go for launch from the, from the, from the, uh, from the first phase. And then the NASA director, it's handed off to him. T-minus nine minutes and counting. They start the automatic ground launch system. Uh, they start the auxiliary power units at T-minus five minutes and zero seconds. They arm the solid rocket booster range safety, uh, uh, safe, safety safe and arm devices. T-minus five minutes and zero seconds. The orbiter and the aerospace profile test. And they follow the main engine gimbal uh, profile test at three minus, T-minus three minutes and 55 seconds. They retract the gaseous oxygen vent arm. That's a very important important thing must be two mind t minus two minutes and 55 seconds crew members close and lock their visors at t minus two minutes and zero seconds orbiter transforms from ground to internal power at t minus 50 t minus 31 ground launch sequencer is go for auto sequence start active launch pad sound suppression system kicks in at t minus 16 active main engines hydrogen burn off at t minus 10 the engine starts at T-minus 6.6 seconds, and at T-minus zero, the solid rocket boosters ignition for liftoff. And that's only about half of what happens. If this is the extensive process of launching a rocket into space, do we think God is any less diligent or intentional about the process of launching us into the spiritual atmosphere that is beyond the earthy. We may see the written process, but we may have missed the purpose of the hold periods. Those hold periods in the launch sequences for all the teams and specs to be examined. Those periods of holding are for an individual or a situation to be found that would prevent a successful launch. It's the time that's given to remedy the situation so that the launch can go forward. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, everyone worth their salt has had holds in their launch sequence. 
Oh, the devil's getting angry. He says, you're pulling some covers back on me there, Pastor. Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, David, Peter, James, John, Paul. What's the most important part of your emotional health? Knowing your family history. Sometimes we can get sideways when we, we're in our hold pattern and we don't realize our family history is full of holds. You, me, anyone worth their salt that God's getting ready to launch into something. You have holds, times to get it right. Why? Maybe the most important thing I say, God is not setting you up to be a flash in the pan or a one-hit wonder. God intends you to orbit the earthly and to abide and live in a spiritual atmosphere. There's danger in those rockets when they blast off. The kingdom of heaven is a dimension where natural laws are suspended. God's kingdom operates on a whole other plane. If you, if you sow a mustard seed in the ground, you're going to get a mustard plant. But in the kingdom, he said, if you sow it, you're going to get a tree. A sack lunch will feed one lad, but if you sow it in the kingdom, it can feed 12,000. You can fish all night and catch nothing, but if the Lord comes by and says, why don't you throw your net off on the right side one more time? We are in a dimension where adulterers and thieves are forgiven and considered by God to have the righteousness of Jesus Christ himself. Oh, my Lord, we don't celebrate that enough. Because we don't have none of that in the church now. We're all halos and... We all, we didn't come from no, listen, you can hold your pride if you want to. And I'm not telling you to glorify the skeletons in your closet. That ain't no good neither. But I know myself. I know the truth about me. I know what he brought me from. I know what he's forgiven me from. <laughs> this is a dimension where a person walks in dead and they leave. The power and the force of this launch is no joking matter. Everything must be on point when the clock hits zero. I'm finishing. They're going to help me with a video right here. You know, as a rocket on the launch pad, it stands towering above the ground. It looks pretty spectacular if you've ever been there to see one. It's got awesome potential to blast off and soar to survey the heavens but it's still attached to couplings. It still has cords and cables that keep it firmly planted on the ground. Just like a rocket, here we stand as people and individuals of God. We're called. Some are in positions in ministries and so on. And at certain angles, some of the stuff looks spectacular. It's got awesome power and potential of the Spirit within us to blast off, to soar, to survey the heavens. Yet we're still attached to things that keep us grounded to the earth. Cares of life, those carnal desires, the lack of faith, an apathetic and passive spirit, those weights and sins that so easily beset us, it still keeps us holding with all the potential to do that work. I say to you today, the Spirit's ready. The angels stand at attention to minister. Spiritual gifts to be given, opened, and operated. 
God himself stands to do exceeding abundantly above all that we're able to ask or think. But the things that keep us grounded have got to be cut loose. It takes an entire team to put that rocket into space. It takes an entire team to get that to happen. Spectacular, all those things that you see, all the things we read about and think, oh, I wish I could see those things. I wish I could just experience them. There's a parallel in the spiritual we read about in the Word of God. We read about what Jesus did and the apostles did. And Jesus said, the works that I do, you shall do. He said, my works should be the seedbed of your imagination. They should be the shoulders upon which you stand to dare to dream. Not of our own dream, of our own self, that we may consume it upon ourselves, but that, his, that he might receive the glory. And I got news for you. If I get up there in that rocket and I look out there, I'm going to go, Wow, that big bang thing sure was awesome. No, if I ever get up there, I'm going to go, wow, the wonders of God. I stand here today, and I want to finish with this. This, is, this will be our altar call. I feel like a director a little bit today in the Holy Ghost, and I, have been, I feel directed to go this route. Very simply, I stand as a director for a launch that I feel the Lord is doing for this local assembly. Just call me the director. I'd like to have a I'd like to have some I'd like to have some go no go for launch. Josh Bell. How about Alex Spooner? Michael Crenshaw. Chris Wright. Eric Kleiman, Matt Bell, Michael Miller, how about Dave Grant, how about Bishop, how about Brother Larry Miller, how about Ross Nolan, how about Matt Kelly, Patrick Howell, I'm going to do it even people who might be online, Jacob Swears, I hear him saying it, Steve Bollinger, how about Jeff Lewis, how about Anthony Camage? How about Bill Collins? How about Jim Cook? Somebody give me a go for lunch. I need a go, no go. Did you say go? No. All right. I, how about, how about uh, Joe Eargood? How about Jimmy Cook? How about Ron Doobie? How about Robert Emery? How about Rob Gifford? Dan Hill? Richie Huff? Chris Huff? Lester Lakey? Mike Lazat? Jesse Morris? Craig Nagy, Verlin Ray, Cole Singles, Daryl Stokes, I'll say it for him, go for launch, Pastor, Tony Strozier, Greg Swears, how about Mark Weiss, Ray Rushing, how about uh, little Ray Rushing, how about Lupe Reyes, I've seen him here today, how about Roberta Spooner, Sarah McLaren, Ariana Bell, Melody Swears, Michelle Collins, Anna Crenshaw, Becca Spooner, Carrie Lewis, Sheila Wright, Joanne Blake, Judy Bland, Sarah, Sally Bolinger, go for launch, Jesse Kamaj, Monica Coggins, Sarah Eargood, Kayla Emery, Shirley Golden. How about Sister Nell Guthrie? Can you give me a go for launch? Go for launch. I'll take it, sis. Jeanette Guy. 
Ruth Hill, Lisa Hill, Janie Hoover, Janice Cook, Tammy Drake. How about Sammy Kelly, Cindy Lakey, Sherry Lazat, Rochelle Huff, Judy Lusk, Norma Miller, Alandria Morris, Rebecca Nagy, Don Nelson, Lenny Nelson, Mavis Ray, Lori Reyes. How about Eleanor Singless, Judy Sims, Linda Spooner, Madison Spooner, Jacqueline Swears, Helen York, Sue Rushing, Emily Rushing. How about Dorothy Rogers? How about Jake Wright? Luke Wright. Hallelujah. Aiden Howe. How about Michael Miller Jr.? How about Joel Kleiman? How about Brandon Huff? How about Lincoln Elias? How about Alita Elias? How about Michaela Rushing? David Coggins? Jocelyn Lewis? Avery Kelly? Kimmy Kelly? Addison Howe? Claire Huff? And if I didn't call anybody's name, that's just because I missed it on the one call. But if I didn't call your name or if I did, can everybody in the building stand and give me a go, no go for lunch? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Laura Bell, did I call your name? Laura Bell, give me a go, no go. Anybody that I didn't call, I didn't miss you on purpose. I, I did my best, so please don't look at it. Listen, I didn't do that to call us out. And I didn't do this to, 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 to embarrass you in front of anybody. But you would rather have your name called out here and say, I'm not quite ready for this, than to wait till you get up there and say, I'm not ready to be here. And to dispel the myth that this is only for the pastor or for a few elite, I tried to list every name that I, that I seen on our one call list. If, they, if you're not on there, I missed you and that was not intentional. But if I missed you, fill your name in the blank, go no go for launch. Anything less than a certain amount of effort, and, and our effort doesn't mean we get from God. Our effort from the, in the carnal is what pushes us beyond the flesh into the spirit, faith, praying, fasting, pulling away from the things that would hinder us and, and so easily beset us. I feel in the Holy Ghost, the Lord asked, the Holy Ghost is asking us, give me a go, no, go for lunch. Here's what you need to understand. It is not based on your track record. It's not based on your merits. This is based on your faith in Christ to do the work. We raise our hands in this building today and say, Lord, I'm, I'm go for launch. Do it with the Lord right now. You and him say, I'm go for launch. You might, have, you might need a hold. You might say, Lord, I need a little holding pattern here because there's some things that I got to make sure are right. There's some things that I gotta, there's some things that, that I don't know if I can have a successful launch doing what I'm doing right now. There's some sin in my life. There's some stuff, and that's what we're doing right now. I wonder if you'll step from your seat. If you can move to this altar, find a place to pray. And as you come, tell the Lord, I'm going for launch, director. Lord of Lord and King of Kings, the director of all things, I'm going for launch. Come on, come to this altar. Keep seeking.